0: Hello, Sports Achiever, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. Before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, out of interest, are you still figuring out how to start a career in the sports industry? If you are, I've got a sports career resource just for you, which is my Sports Career Playbook, which shares over 30 career guidance tips in how to discover, and start your sports career journey today. If you want to grab your free copy, go to education2sport.com forward scpb and get your copy today. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who can really enhance your self-development, particularly if you have an interest in pursuing a career in mindset coaching and coaching in general. I really do hope that this podcast can support you with regards to your interest, sport career development and needs. Now getting back to today's episode, this week's special guest is Tammy Matheny. Tammy is an author and a mental game coach at Refuse to Lose Coaching, where she specializes in helping teams and athletes with the mental game with regards to their performance For that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Tammy as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Tammy will share her sports career journey and explain to you how confidence is a skill. Tammy, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start?
1: My sports career journey started, I think, when I was born. When I came out of my mom's womb, (laughs) my uh, father was a coach, a football coach at the time, and I grew up in the field house um, and just have always had a love with sports since then. Played uh, tennis and basketball in college, and then that led to becoming a coach, tennis coach, men and women's at the university. And then it eventually led to me becoming a mental game coach, where now I get to work with all types of sports and all ages and helping them develop confidence, leadership, overcoming adversity. Uh, So I, I tell everybody I have the greatest job in America. I get to talk, watch, and think about sports all day long.
0: Amazing. I've got to go back in time a little bit. When you're playing tennis and basketball, why those two sports and how did that help you then decide to be a coach? from those two different sports that have interest?
1: So basketball, my father had played basketball, was a very good athlete. And I just, I have a twin brother. So growing up, we always had a basketball in our hand or a football. Um, obviously at that time, it really, slowly now women are playing football, but that wasn't even an option, you know, back then. And I, American football, when I say
0: that. I was gonna say America football, American just football, just
1: from. Yes. Um, So always had a basketball. We had the little Nerf, little goals when we were little and then just, you know, grew to a big goal. And coming home from school, we always just picked up a basketball and would shoot, you know, hoops for a while. And I grew up in a neighborhood with about 15 boys and me. Uh, So I think that was a great uh, experience in helping me uh, develop the game I did and just kind of love basketball, still love basketball. Uh, tennis, we had one tennis court in my hometown. I grew up in a very small town in North Carolina. And so tennis was not popular. And one day I was watching the U.S. Open on TV. Um, and back then we didn't have all the cable channels either. And uh, Chris Everett was playing. Um, so I'm really dating myself here. But I fell in love with just her demeanor of how she carried herself. And you couldn't tell if she won or lost. And so my dad bought us this wooden racket and we would just hit against the backyard. I mean, the back, um, you know, the siding of our house. And then we went one day to play on the one court and the high school coach came by and was like, I hope that you plan on playing in high school. That had never been a thought of mine or, you know, realizing I could. And so just one of those, you know, perfect timings and, he and I, you know, got along well, and I thought, okay, well, I'll play this to stay in shape for basketball, so that kind of led, there's always been a door that's
0: open. Cool, no reason I say this um, and ask this question, because when I was growing up, my sports were rugby and tennis, Um, and I was just intrigued from the team element, and like literally tennis, I started when I was around six, we used to go to holidays in Mallorca, and we played on the clay courts, and I just Picked up the racket, very similar. I just played against a wall to so the coaches. Stop doing that. Now do it on the court, and I've done it from the age of 22. But when I was growing up, and I love we'll talk in depth here, but what was challenging with playing a team sport and a, you know, let's say tennis, particularly the singles game, you have to have two different mindsets because when you're in a team and, and tennis, you're literally on your own. And I, I always enjoy these debates, and because you've worked in tennis. Um, one of my coaches said, you know, tennis is a sport. It's like boxing, you know, but there's a net in between. If that makes sense you trying to win. But with rugby, you can get away with it. you making mistakes. So we'll talk in more detail on the mindset of tennis. But with regards to your career transition, when did the moment hit when you went, right, I'm going to be a coach and then lead into the, the mindset coach, that makes sense? When, when, when did that hit in your career out of interest?
1: Before I jump on that, though, I will say with the mindsets, I needed the the diversity of having a team and then on my own. So that that meshed well for me of being on my own, then having a team. Um, But I, I, you know, kind of laughed there when you asked me that last question, because as a senior in college, uh, the school paper had interviewed me about my career, what I was going to do. And they Said, well, will you coach? And I, I said, no. I had seen my father as a football coach, baseball, basketball coach, and he had always told me never coach. Um, he eventually got into real estate, and so I was like, no, I'll never coach. And I went on, I wanted to be a psychologist, and so went to grad school for that at that time. And just the sports just kept calling me, and I would find. You know, little jobs to volunteer or just to make a little bit of money at the rec center, coaching a little girl's mm. basketball team. Um, I would give tennis lessons on the side just for extra money. And I just loved it. And I went to grad school at University of North Carolina for sports administration. Eventually, a long path here. And I had to fulfill an internship. Well, a job came open as a as the men and women's tennis coach at a nearby university and I thought okay I'll just do that for a few years to get my internship done and that led to a career of 15
0: years. Wow so really quick before we talk about that 15 years you know this show is about helping graduate students learn how to get in this industry during that period how important is that like everybody says go to volunteer but from your personal experience looking back how vital was that not just with regards to your coaching philosophy but just doing the reps by doing those that internship experience just to help the listeners out. If they're just starting their own coaching career or any sector in the sports industry in that matter. It is so
1: vital and so important, you know, it's like we have to advertise ourselves to then get the jobs we want. And I I think the mindset, and I've seen this with my brother, so I don't even think it's a generation thing, but we want quick success. We want that quick result. And then, you know, that, that's a rarity. And so it's very important, I think one for ourselves that we put ourselves in those experience to see if that's really what we want. But second of all, to learn, to make contacts, to get that experience to show you can handle things. Um, when I was at the University of North Carolina, so it was in the athletic department there. And the first year before I took the internship at the college, we had to put in 20 hours a week with every possible job that you could think of in athletics, from taking care of the grounds and facility, to taking up tickets, to helping with equipment, to, I mean, just every, so it gave us a great, uh, hey, is this what you might be interested in going in? So I think sometimes we think we have to do it for contacts, and that's very important, but more importantly, It helps us realize, is this really what we want or what areas are we interested in?
0: Well, that's so important what you've just said, because sometimes I've been in that, looking back when I was a student, we just use this internship of volunteers a tick box, but actually we do it to have it as an internal indicator. Is this what we really want or is this the direction I want to go? So Tammy, that is super important what you've just shared. Now let's get to the nitty gritty. Those 15 years in tennis When did the moment or the penny drop when you went, actually, study psychology. I want to now focus on the the mindset of the game. And I'm going to go tennis because you could help me. When I was a little kid, I was one of those players. Training, I was pretty good, had the right technique, certainly the right attitude. But when it came to the performance, where it mattered with results, choking is a bit of a harsh term, but should we say barriers or blocks would kick in? So I'm going to relate this as me as the case study is. The 17-year-old, but from your experience in tennis and coaching, when did you discover like mindset coaching is important, not just in tennis, but in any sport, with regards to the example I gave from my experience as a tennis player, if that makes sense?
1: You know, I think I've always knew the importance of it. Um, I'm gonna go back to when I was in junior high, and even before then, I was on a local swim team. And Sports psychology had not been born yet. I mean, I'm sure athletes were using it, but it wasn't this field. And there wasn't anyone you could go see for sessions. But we were at a swim meet. And, you know, they have a table where you could buy t-shirts or caps. And they had this, it wasn't even a book. It was more like a uh, pamphlet glued together. And it was on the mind. And it was such a, a new idea. And I wanted to buy it. And my parents were like, that's, it was very in-depth, very scientific, really, really hard to read. And I I found it the other day when I was cleaning out some closets and that thing is like not even together. I had gone through it so many times and underlined and highlighted. So I, I would say I was 10 years old, maybe then, and I did not understand it, but I understood there was something to the brain and that my mind could set me apart. And as I athlete in high school and college, I was never the fastest, quickest, strongest, but I knew that my mind could help me overcome that. Well, being physically in shape and then mentally in shape, I knew could give me an advantage. So very unorganized at that time, as I started coaching, but it was very informal. It was whatever piece of information I could Google or provide. And then I was at a conference and I met a guy named Dr. Patrick Combs. And he's kind of one of the grandfathers of sports psychology, does a lot with professional athletes and golfers. And he said, hey, there's this field that you can actually get certified and have some organization. So, you know, I got certified through him, a very intensive program. And my first thought was just to provide this for my my teams and making them stronger. And then I slowly realized that most coaches – If you're coaching at a university in the U.S., then you eventually have an exit strategy to eventually move on to something else. And so I was started, again, going back to volunteering. As I was coaching, I would volunteer to any other sports team at the university. Hey, you know, try this. You know, I volunteer my time. Let's see if this works. And so then that built up some experience and a clientele for when I was ready to uh, make the move.
0: Wow I find this really interesting just really quickly for, for young coaches or any coaches listening in how important it is to have that curiosity like you said you bought that book 10 years old I think you said but looking back now it's that curiosity of learning and application by the way that got you to where you are so how important is curiosity to be a coach?
1: Oh I, I think it's one of the most important traits or skills that I don't know if it's a skill but that you can have. I mean, we, we have to be curious and always wanting to learn. And as I work with coaches or athletes, that's what sets the best apart. Those that are always staying hungry, what more can I learn? You know, you, you, you see those that I know it all, it's my way. To me, they're gonna reach a limit of how high or the success they can go. But when you're constantly, you know, what can I learn from this person? Or what can I learn from this you know, podcast or webinar? Then we're constantly growing, which just keeps us
0: developing. And just on that note, I agree with what you've just said, but then you've got to put it into practice. Like I love that you said you, you tested it and volunteered your time. How important is that? Because I assume that volunteering time you weren't credited yet, like, or certified, I should say, yet. But uh, just for people listening in, I'm trying to give you some hints that you can test your knowledge as long as it's in a safe place in working environment. I hope this makes sense. I don't want to word something out of context, but I'm just trying to help coaches sort of even myself when I educate people, you can do it in a safe environment. Just make sure you you know what you're doing. Could you just share on that side that you can apply that knowledge in a safe environment, if that makes sense.
1: We have to get our reps in, just like we would tell our athletes, you have to get those physical reps. Well we have to get the reps in at whatever job we're doing. And, And so it is volunteering. It is with people that you know are are comfortable with, and that's where you develop and get better. You know, I still will reach out to, if I know a coach that took a new job, or I haven't worked with them before, but I know them from past, hey, let me come and give you a free 30-minute presentation. So I'm still volunteering, because for one, that gives me more experience, but two, 90% of the time that leads to a new client. So I'm constantly, I mean, I I think volunteering and giving of your time in the long run always comes back with making you better and leading to new jobs, new contacts, new clients.
0: You just hit the nail on the head. My next question, like through what you've just said, how important is building a network in the coaching world, like whenever we think of network, we think of like business and corporations, but actually it's so important in coaching as well. So looking back now, how has networking supported you with regards to your coaching journey, looking back?
1: I mean, it it was tremendously important to me. Um, Just even when I was coaching, even the recruits that I would recruit, even if I knew they were not coming and they were gonna go to another university, I would still like send them a good luck bar try to keep in touch with them and it returned to me by them later on sending me I don't know how many recruits mm-hmm. I lost out on but they would send me someone from their hometown later on hey Tammy was so nice so you know giving of her time you should look at her so I think again we sometimes focus on that short-term immediate result instead of we have to build a foundation and build a network and it might not give us the success right then but it will pay off if you're constantly building relationships. I, I think that's the most important thing in anything we do in life is relationships and, and so the more that I can connect with people somehow somewhere down the line it's going to pay off.
0: I've got a big smile on my face. I hope the listeners are taking <laughs> notes. But Tammy, just on that point with communic- like the communication and the building relationships, you say, like looking back, not on the sports field in general, but how has coaching helped you with your communication skills as well? You know, I'm just really fascinated. on. You know, that, when that I
1: point. was that uh, high school girl playing tennis and basketball, I was very probably ego centered. And very much, I did not like to have conversations. It was about me. I had to take care of my practice, my training. Boom, 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 boom. And I hated talking to people. I hated communicating to people. You know, My heart would pop out of my chest if I had to stand up and talk to a crowd. Uh, It's funny when I run into old high school classmates, they're like, you do this job and stand up in front of hundreds of people and they just can't comprehend that. So I, I think when I became a tennis coach, I realized I had to communicate. Um I, I had to sell myself in the university. And then as I'm a mental game coach, I mean, obviously communication and being able to talk to people, I mean, that's vital. Without that, I
0: I wouldn't still be in this job. Okay. So finally, before we get to today's podcast topic, which is a cracker by the way, because I love your blog your website and very soon your books I can't wait to talk about that as well just to being a mental game coach like what qualities do you need what's the difference between let's say a tennis coach and a mental game coach I do know the answer because I've been a tennis player but sometimes coaches try and blend them together and I think from my personal experience I wish I had separate coaches for a separate role if that makes sense so
1: yes and, and I think that's uh The benefit I can add when I work with teams, coaches will say, well, I've been saying the same thing, Um, but I am uh, not as a uh, imposing figure as the coach. And so often we need different voices. Um, It's kind of like you have your parent telling you to do this, do that, do that. We, We need another voice sometimes for our brains to grab a hold of information. Um, And that that ties into connections. We need different voices that we talk to every day to keep our brains growing. As a mental game coach, I think it's vital, the communication. I can give you the best material possible. But if I can't tell it in a way that your brain grabs a hold of it, it doesn't matter the material I give.
0: I was going to say it relates to triggers. Sorry, psychology triggers, if that makes sense. Sorry, carry on. But
1: yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. You're exactly right. And and I compared a little bit to maybe a teacher or a professor, or if we, you know, on the religion side, a pastor or minister, when I was sitting in church or in class, I it didn't did not matter if I was interested in the material or not. But if the person talking could capture me, then I like the material. And so I think that's a very, that's the one of the most important things for a mental game coach. And that goes back to the communication. Because you have to communicate to connect. And when we're connected, you're going to be more open to hearing what I
0: have to say. So just from a communication standpoint, is there a difference with your messaging with an individual sports person than a team?
1: Yes. Um, individual. If I'm working with an individual client, then we're going to be much more... um, I'm relationship-based with all, but I'm going to get to know you on a different level because you and I are on this journey together, and I can really get into specifics for you. When I go into a team, things have to be more generalized. I I can't take time to hit each person, so it's more generalized of how do I get this team to be cohesive and come together to
0: reach their goal. And with regards to tennis, because I've just been a tennis player myself, that's why I've been excited for this podcast chat. Why is tennis particularly, I know you can compare it to maybe squash or, but why is tennis one of those games where there's that mindset game? You know, I've done it from experience where, and I know this is in all sports and very generalised, but it's all about momentum. You could be six, love down, lose the first set, refresh and win the second set. But there's just times I've been that player where you're, like, you're, you're winning, you've been the momentum, but then you have that one moment where you lose a big game, the seventh game in average, it's the critical one. And then the mindset goes, so why tennis has that mental aspect out of interest relating to your coaching in tennis, but also being a mindset coach as well?
1: Because it's you, it's all on you. And when you have a team, then, you know, when teams can come back or stop that negative momentum, you have a group of individuals working together. So there's a better percentage that someone in that group, that team stops the bad momentum and help people reset. But I think when we're out there by ourselves, we don't, we just get into our heads, we get into the motions and we like just hold on to them and we don't have a way to release. And I think that's why doubles is a little bit easier. If you and I are playing doubles and you see that I'm in my head, then you can, if you know me well enough, then you can find a a way to trigger to get me out of that by making me laugh. Or just relax,
0: or well, one point at a time. Like I, I was actually a better doubles player because of this. Because I'll talk about my age. I was a Pat Rafter fan, so love volleying, serve and volley game. Um, but I was not like an Agassi who just could stay at the back. But you're right. Um, that's a really good point because I used to have debates really. Because I used to where I used to play. It was a big golf course, and go. Well, golf has the same pressure. I'm like, yeah, but you have got a caddy. But like, I'm just on the court with my mental note cards. Like just trigger words to snap out the negativity or the bad part of that set. So that's a really good point. Um, yeah, again, I hope that this is just more curiosity now and wish I had when I was a tennis player, um, over 15 years ago, but just going back to this podcast topic now, I want to dig deep. I wouldn't, I want to hear more about the work you're doing with us to confidence and today's podcast topic is how is confidence a skill? Um, I'm going to give you the floor and the mic, but really fascinated on this point now.
1: Confidence is a skill. It, it, you know, I, I think a lot of people think you're either born with or without it, but it, it's cultivated. And I have identified four different steps that if we work at every day consistently, then we're going to have a good foundation of confidence. Um, and that's your self-talk. Uh, so if I'm working on my self-talk, every day and trying to just make sure I stay, I call it P-square, positive or productive. But instead of, oh, that was a horrible shot, a productive thought, okay, what am I going to do for the next shot? Or what did I learn from that shot? The second one is your body language. I call it walk the walk, how you carry yourselves, uh, your face expressions, because your body language and your talk, they go hand in hand. They're like teammates. They're They're the double partners. And so when I carry myself stronger, it's sending better messages to my brain. So your body language can really tie into your confidence. The third one is what I call see it, be it. And that is visualizing, but it's also how do you see yourself? And really starting to work on that picture of the confident athlete you want to be. And so I I challenge my clients every day when you wake up, like just close your eyes for a second and see that confident person when adversity happens. Because I think that's the catch. It's really easy to be confident when things are going your way. But you separate yourself when you have adversity. And so I want you to plant those pictures in your mind of seeing you overcome that double fall on set point, maybe in how you respond to it. And last is the preparation. You have to put in the work. In order to be confident at anything you do. Now, a lot of tennis players, a lot of athletes, a lot of coaches put in the physical work, but you have to put in the mental work as well. And if if you work on these things daily, consistently, then your confidence is going to grow stronger and stronger, and you're gonna get off of what I call the roller coaster. Things are good, you're up here. Oh, things are bad down here, up and down, up and down. Um, so that was in a nutshell. So I can tell that you have questions to ask, so.
0: Uh, you're amazing. I hope people are no- taking notes. I can't wait to re-listen to that. Just to carry on the theme of confidence um, with regards to adversity, before the call, we talked about how you know, COVID has influenced our lifestyle. And he said, Ed, I had this pity party. I had my pity party. And if you don't what pity party, it's just when you have a period where I think, Mike, from my experience, it's when your mind shuts down and you panic. And you're like, what am I doing? How am I going to get out of it? And I, I sort of said it relates to adversity. But looking back um, from that experience of your pity party out of interest, how has that made you stronger now with regards to using adversity as a tool to overcome your confidence and who you are with regards to your personal growth? Anytime
1: that we can overcome a difficult situation, I think that just naturally gives us confidence. You know, I, I went through the most challenging period I have faced yet in my job, and my job is now benefiting from it. Uh, so I, I think it's, and you mentioned this, but we have to see adversity as a good thing. Adversity is what separates the good from the great. We have to develop mindsets of, of embracing the adversity, almost wanting it, because when it is your best friend, okay, this moment, was meant to happen, what is good, finding the this is good from it. So you can then bloom, maybe the next day, maybe the next month, it might be a year from now. But keeping yourself mentally alive when
0: you go through the adversity, because we need adversity. So on that note, how important is it just to focus on the controllables? You know, I think the one looked with COVID, it was an uncontrollable, which which had an impact from a mental, for me, a mental standpoint. So from your point just then that we need it, I assume the next step is relates to the four tips you gave early on having that level of confidence, but focusing on what you can control, then overthinking things, if that makes sense.
1: I think that's, you know,
0: that's vital.
1: Um, When you're going through a rough period like COVID or a bad set in tennis, Our brains tend to start gravitating to what's not going well, and that's usually stuff we can't control, Um, but I call it a circle of success or a me circle, and that's one of the first exercises I have clients do to draw a circle, and you list everything you can control 100% inside that circle, and so the idea is to have this visual. Oh, I'm not in my circle. I've got to get back in my circle. And the more you can stay in your me circle, circle of success, and the more confident. Because it's really hard to be confident when you're focused on things you can't control. Because even if you do get a positive outcome, you couldn't really control it. So you didn't do much about it. So it's vital that we, okay, what can I control in this moment? And that really changed my mindset and got me out of the pity party during COVID it was like, okay, what can I do? I'm not having these jobs and being able to talk to my clients like normal. Oh, I can get in front of more people with webinars and podcasts and Zooms. Just opened up a whole new, new ballgame for me. So, again, once I shifted my focus to what can I control, then it's amazing how things work out.
0: Thank you so much for doing that exercise. And just with regards to some examples, I'm going to say a few with that circle, what you write down, I assume it relates to attitude, how I show up, um, with regards to my morning routines. The like I just want the listeners to think, well, what do I write in this circle? Is that the sort of stuff you mean, what I've just said? If that makes sense.
1: Definitely. You know, confidence, a lot of people want to argue that they can't control their confidence. But again, you can through those four steps. Confidence would be in there. Attitude, Um, how I respond or communicate to teammates or coaches or opponents, you know, my body language, I can control that. Um, I can control my preparation of did I get a good night's sleep or did I eat well or what am I doing in the moment? So, you know, there's not that much you can control except you and how you respond and react to things. But if I respond to that instead of a bad call, like in tennis, there's so many bad calls, you know? And so too often you see athletes and even coaches that they hang on to that. That was a bad call, they're cheating. me. Well, now you're focused on something you can't control and it grows. And, and one of my favorite sayings is what you focus on grows. So I'm gonna shift that she cheated me to okay that must mean she thinks she can't beat me without cheating so now I have the power and that actually fuels my confidence so I, I'm coming back to the circle with something I gain control.
0: Wow I love that phrase I think you just said you know what you focus on grows great great quote there that is brilliant I, I totally agree with what you've just said but that just was like a eureka moment just then look, Tammy, you've said so much awesomeness already. But I would love to talk about your website, your books. What inspired you to be an author? And if you don't mind, please can you share to listeners your blog posts? Um, so I'm going to give you the mic. What sort of inspired you to? Okay, I'm a you know I'm a mindset coach. I help with elite athletes. But then I'm going to build a online platform, not to promote who you are as a coach, but what inspired you to sit down and be an author. <laughs> Um,
1: I I laugh because this is another uh, story of my journey of getting outside my comfort zone. I I made really good grades in high school and college, except for anything involved writing. Um, At one point in high school, a teacher gave me back a book report, and I was so proud of it and put so much time and effort into it. And she gives it back with a big F in red and said, too good to be yours. You had to have cheated. And so it just fed this belief that I couldn't write, and I, and I hung on to that, um, and I focused on that. So I became this mindset coach, speak to teams, speak at conferences, stand up and talk, and you know, people were like, you need a blog or you need a book, you need to give us more instead of just when you're in person. No, I don't write. And it was just so easy to stay in my comfort zone. No, I don't write. And uh, I had a, a coach that I was working with in soccer and he was in between jobs. And he said, okay, you say you can't write. Why should I hire you as a mindset coach if you're telling us to get outside of our comfort zone? And I was like, "Going to take it? Okay, uh, all right, but, You know, he's challenging me here, good. <laughs> and so we decided we would work on it together. Well, kind of the easy way out, I was gonna provide the material and he was gonna write. Um, but he ended up getting another job and, you know, it it didn't work out for him to help me. And I threw another pity party. Well, I guess I'm just not going to write. Another friend again said, Hmm, I don't think I would hire you to work with my team. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm going to write because I thought I had to write this elegant piece that, you know, would be a New York bestseller Mm -hmm. or something. And, you know, another friend just said, just write and be you. And so I started like Recording myself, and I would try to take notes on you know what I was saying, and I, I just put the book in the form of how I speak, and I try to as short and as short of words as possible give you the topic, and then I want to share a story, and then I'm going to give you ways now you can go put it into action. So it the first book, the Confident Athlete, very easy read. Uh, it'll never win any high awards, but it it's so easy for athletes and coaches to take and apply quickly. And and that was my goal. Uh, So yes, I did it to help athletes and to help them get off of the roller coaster sooner than I did. But more importantly, it was like breaking that chain around my ankle of I can't write.
0: So -hmm. it was a very
1: freeing. um, And again, I mentioned when you get out of that comfort zone and overcome adversity, how much more confident. So that led the confidence in starting to write other books.
0: Just quickly, in the moment, how proud of you for overcoming that right now?
1: Uh, it's one of my best moments. I had a podcast about a month ago, and someone said, what is your greatest moment? And I said, writing a book. And, and that seems funny with some of the things I've accomplished physically or bigger jobs I've had or teams that have won championships. But no, writing a book, yeah, you, you can probably tell like, it's hard not to...
0: I could see it's like yeah, it's like ear to ear uh, with regards to your smile um, but look just just on that note, could you just share to listeners both books? My goodness, I wish I had the cop athlete book when I was a tennis player looking back when I was sort of twelve years old but could you just share a real just, just share both books and how it could benefit an athlete who is listening in
1: So the Confident athlete um... It, it shares the four steps that I talked about earlier, the talk, you know, our body language or what we see in the preparation. And it goes in a little more detail each chapter in telling, giving exercises of how you can work on it daily. Um, with that, I have created, I, I did, a, I started it the first month just kind of as a promotion, but now I'm on my third and a half year of putting out a monthly confidence calendar. And it's just a, it's free. Um, You can go to my website and scroll down to the bottom to sign up for it or send me an email, but it's just a daily tip of what you can focus on that day. And if we just focus on one thing every day, then it's amazing how our confidence is going to slowly grow or or at least stay firm. Um, So that prompted that. And then the next book is Mm -hmm. This Is Good. And it's a journey on overcoming adversity. Um, and you may have heard me say the saying, "This is good," several times while we talked, because it, it's taken from an African folktale uh, about a story of finding the good in whatever happens. Because if we can keep our minds mentally alive, then something good is eventually going to happen from the challenge, from the adversity that we're going through. And, and so this book is a kind of a, it, it gives lessons of how to do that, but it also uh, chronicles my work with a team that had about as much adversity as I've ever experienced with. And really the, the season didn't turn out exactly how they wanted, but the power they realized they had of themselves and something much different happened And it still is giving them confidence and power today, as well as myself. And I learned a lot about myself. So it's a mixture of giving a story while I throw in, this was the lesson we learned. And this is how you can apply it to whatever challenges that you're facing.
0: Awesome. And just going back to your career now, Tammy, what have you enjoyed the most from your coaching journey looking back right now?
1: The relationships. I'm, I'm just blessed and rewarded by the people I've been able to work with or work beside. and that just fuels me every day.
0: Awesome. From this conversation, we've talked so much on your experience, your tip from mindset perspective. We looked at case studies of different sports with the ghost of the mindset. But I'd like to finish with an inspirational question just for the listeners listening in to improve their daily habits what three tips would you give to somebody to improve their confidence? You provide great tips already, but just for listening right now, for tomorrow morning, what three tips would that be?
1: I would definitely have to go back to one that I've already said, because I think it's the most important, is start developing the this is good. All right, this happened bad in the moment. Instead of getting negative, frustrated, upset about it, just ask yourself, okay, what is the good that could happen from it? For example, if you have an injury, instead of, oh, poor me, my sport's been taken away. All right, how can I use this to get better? Or, you know, what, why is this, what is good from it? So that's definitely number one, regardless of what happens. Even if you're driving in a traffic jam, what is good about that? And just train it in your brain to think that. I think number two is knowing your why. Why do you do what you do? And I think that's very important. And that's for any field, any job, any, any sport. But really, what's your biggest purpose for what you're doing, why you're doing it? And I think once you really know your why, do every answer or every challenge that pops up. My why is to make a difference in as many athletes' lives as possible every day. That's one of the first things that I say to myself in the mirror, and that just helps me start the day with that focus. Because I think there's many days we all wake up, do this, or I'm tired. And, and I have those days, but when I, all right, my, my goal today is who can I make a difference with? It shifts my mindset. gets me focused on what I need to do that day. And then uh, the third last piece of advice I would say, um, it's a question, but ask yourself, do you want to be right or successful? And I think too often we create struggles for ourselves because we're trying to be right. And we might be right, but does it help us be successful by holding on to that?
0: Wow, what a great question. Well, oh, you've got me thinking there, Tammy. Can you just share to listeners where people can connect with you, particularly on social media?
1: The Instagram is spelled out, refuse, the number two, lose coaching. Facebook, I do have a couple of groups. Uh, this is good, Facebook group, uh, that just tries to to. Share stuff from the book, but also how to look at adversity and see it as a good thing. And then parents and the mental game for parents of athletes. So how they can help
0: their children. Awesome. For the listeners listening in, all the ways you can connect with Tammy through our website, social media channels, I highly recommend her Instagram. I'm following. I love the content there. Um, Will be on my website related to this blog post. Tammy, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ed. Wow, what a fantastic conversation with Tammy. It's conversations like this that get me so excited because relating to today's podcast topic, confidence is crucial. Not just work in the sports industry, but how we show up every day in the work we do, the, the things we do in our day-to-day lives of daily routine. And it's something that... I've been exploring, like, how to improve, how to get better. Like, you can pretty tell with my conversation with Tammy how much I wish I had her as my mental coach when playing tennis. And it's the same with regards to anything we do. Confidence comes when we perform well. And it's something I've learned through my mentors, my teachers. But having these little strategies that Tammy nicely shared... In this conversation, I hope you can put into practice, particularly that circle exercise and how you can control, like her success circle. What a powerful exercise where you literally draw a circle and focus what you can control, your attitude, your confidence, your body language. You know, for me, it's little exercises or tools like this. That could be the difference in how you show up with regards to trying to reach out to people in the sports industry, trying to get that role you're trying to achieve or trying to work on a project or trying to get the client that you're trying to get in the work you're doing. It could be any scenario. And I'm super grateful for Tammy to coming on the show and to share her knowledge, which I hope you'll put into practice and without a doubt, check out her blog. Follow her on Instagram. Like her Instagram posts. It's one of the one of my favourite uh, accounts I follow because it's bite sized knowledge, which you can put into practice or have that like reminder in regards to. Okay, I've seen this post. Let's put it into action. Particularly, there's some great self talk uh, or visualization posts on there. Just to give you a few that have really supported me. So look. If you've enjoyed this conversation, I'll be super grateful if you can leave a review and a rating on the podcast platform you listen to this, but also let me know on Twitter or Instagram, which is edbowers101 with your biggest learning lesson. I'd love to hear it, but with regards to the sports career tips right from the end from Tammy, I have to really emphasize this point again, because it does come up a lot, but I'm a big believer of repetition is how we put learning into practice and you've got to have a why, you've got to have a purpose in what you want to do in the sports industry and really just dig deep in that passion or purpose and follow through in that. I think it's really key. We've all got different interests, but when we put that interest into a meaningful purpose actually things get a lot easier and your career just builds momentum and at the same time you build confidence. So look, put those career tips right at the end and really make it happen today and do it. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Tammy said, if you can keep our mind mentally alive, then something good is eventually going to happen to our confidence and overall performance.